Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, I discuss the stakes for Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje for the lightweight title in the UFC. Also, we discuss May the 4th and why Star Wars has suffered from being too nostalgic for 50 years. I'm talking about working with Kelly Murphy on the same week as a Justin Gaethje fight. And I have to objectively and professionally talk about Justin Gaethje. And she's already mad, folks. She's already mad. She's already on Zoom just staring daggers into me right now. But I have to do it. Kel, you understand as a professional, I have to break down his that he might potentially lose. I get it. I just don't sound so excited about it. No, I'm excited about a big fight. That's what I'm excited about, Kel. So here's the deal. Here's what I'm about to discuss. And Kelly, to alleviate your anxiety, if at any point you feel like you need to jump in and, and comment about this, you go ahead, all right? Because your mental health is important to me. So, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. What are the stakes here? That's big. What are the stakes? The stakes to me are when it comes to Justin Gaethje, this is a guy who has beaten everybody in the in the division. He's, of course, Zip Khabib, who, who then retired. But he's one of those guys who has beaten everyone. He's had great performances. He has been interim champion. He has been everything but lineal champion. Everything but lineal champion. So... When you look at it that way, this is his second opportunity. And I have said uh, many, many times that when you get two opportunities at the title, especially if it's the same person, I know it's two different people, a lot of times that's all you get. Two shots at the title. If you don't win either one, it's hard to get a third. It's too easy to move past you, especially in a division this big and this talented with so many great names. If Justin Gaethje gets two shots at the title, I find it hard to believe he's going to get a third, especially if he loses in dominant fashion, which is what happened last time. Kel, deep breath. Okay. So he could. I'm not saying he will. He could lose in dominant fashion. If he does, he will be that guy. Uh, Uriah Faber. Uh, Kenny Florian. Uh, we could talk about a few others that were all uh, uh, Alistair Overeem in the heavyweight division. Exciting fights always right there. Never the lineal champion. Never quite made it all the way. Because there was someone better right in front of them. Khabib and then Charles Oliveira in this case. That is what Justin Gaethje is, is, is fighting for. Justin Gaethje is fighting for the, the... He's fighting to not have that on his resume. That he was great except when he fought for the title. So that's really big for me is he's fighting to not be the most exciting fighter in UFC history to never win a title. Maybe one of the best fighters in UFC history to never win a title. I mean the lineal title. So what would make him kind of an outlier is that most of the time when you look at great fighters who were never champion, there was always one great champion in their way. Uriah Faber couldn't get past Jose Aldo. Uriah Faber couldn't get past Dominic Cruz. Well, Dominic Cruz, and I know they fought in WC, but my point is 
there was always that that all-time great in front of him. Dominic Cruz is the all-time greatest 135-pounder ever. He is. Couldn't get past him. Um, a lot of names on the list couldn't get past that one great fighter. This would be the second one on Justin Gaethje's list. He lost to the greatest lightweight of all time. Now, Charles Oliveira, uh, incredibly talented. Could you add his name to that list? The stakes for Charles Oliveira, because this has been a, a, a subject of some debate in the MMA community. Can Charles Oliveira eclipse Khabib Nurmagomedov as the greatest lightweight of all time? Khabib is being enshrined into the Hall of Fame this summer. I think that's too early. I think that's too soon. I think a little more gravity would be to wait a few years and then allow him into the Hall of Fame. I wish it was like you know the NFL where you had to be retired X number of years to be eligible and all this stuff. I wish there was a bit more formality to it because it seems like, oh, you're great. You're retired. You're in the Hall of Fame. It's just, it's just too fast, in my opinion. But Khabib deserves his spot in the Hall of Fame. He deserves his spot as an all-time great at 155 pounds, period. But the one thing that hurts him when it comes to his legacy is he only had uh, he had a very short title run. And 155 is just like that. Short title runs are the name of the game. And Khabib's overall record makes him number one. But it's the idea that he didn't have that Anderson Silva, GSP, John Jones kind of run at 155. He didn't. He won the lineal title, which was vacant at the time against Ali Aquinta. He defended it three times. Well, Benson Henderson defended it three times. Uh, BJ Penn defended it three times. Um, Frankie Edgar defended it three times. He's in the company with, with you know, excellent 155ers. We didn't separate himself from the pack with his title run. Charles Oliveira has the ability to definitely definitely eclipse the title run of Khabib Nurmagomedov. Now, does that make him better? Khabib was undefeated. Khabib had these dominant, dominant one-sided wins. And I'll tell you why it doesn't make him better than Khabib. Khabib is, of course, undefeated. Khabib was absolutely dominant. But he didn't have the wow factor of Charles Oliveira. So what's going for Khabib in terms of legacy is he dominated opponents. All his fights were one-sided. They were a bit methodical. He was undefeated, great, but he didn't start fighting great talent until later in his career. So Charles Oliveira can eclipse him in terms of title defenses. He's had one defense against just Dustin Poirier. His second would be Justin Gaethje, provided he wins. One more, and he's tied for all-time greatness. So I definitely think he can eclipse Khabib if he gets... Five, six title defenses? Now, that depends a lot on schedule. That depends a lot on the brutality of his fights. He is 32 years old. To a lot of fighters, and I don't really know with him. I haven't worked with him. That's the physical sweet spot. So, some fighters are at their best in their their, their early to mid-30s. So, the idea that he can eclipse Khabib, I think he can just because Khabib's title run was very, very short. And a lot of Khabib's fights were not must-see TV. I was there. I called the ally a quintified. He won. He was dominant, but there was nothing to write home about after that fight. He didn't start winning in kind of flashy fashion until late in his career. It's what's funny about Khabib, and it's 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 part of his legacy. Period. Is he didn't start fighting great talent until late in his career. 
Also, he didn't start winning in ways that were very crowd-pleasing until, once again, late in his career. Abel Trujillo, decision. Pat Healy, decision. Rafael Dos Anjos, decision. Michael Johnson, won by Kimura. Edson Barbosa, decision. Ally Quinta, decision. He tended to win by decision. He tended to wear fighters down and beat them up on the ground. That was it. Gleason Tebow, his UFC, not his... Exactly as UFC debut. They had UFC on on FX before then, which which he was on. But UFC 148, Gleason Tebow won by decision. That's generally what he did. Late in his career, the Conor McGregor performance, the Dustin Poirier performance, the Justin Gaethje performance, all three amazing submissions. First time he had three uh, finishes in a row in his UFC career. First time. It was at the end. So all those things kind of work against the legacy of Khabib, and they're all things that Charles Oliveira, if he does everything right, can do to eclipse him. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. The official Star Wars Day. I was asked, of course, by my producer, KOP, what my thoughts are about Star Wars, what my history is with it, my fandom of Star Wars. Now, uh, as I could point out, I grew up with the original trilogy. That is what we watched. That is what we cared about. To us, that was Star Wars. That was it. There was A New Hope. There was Return of the, Je- there was Return of the Jedi. And in the middle, there was Empire Strikes Back, my personal favorite. Then, when I'm in college, thanks, Kel, when I'm in college, the prequels come out. And we were all excited. I remember I was at UCLA, and the prequels came out, and it was kind of a big deal. And we're like, oh, man, this was our first Star Wars movie since we were little kids. Return of the Jedi came out in 1982. I was five. All right? So, I remember slightly it coming out and the big deal it was. But that was the last one. And then here I am, whatever I was, 1999, I'm 22 years old, and the prequels come out. You are literally laughing, Kelly. You're literally laughing. Please let us in on the joke. Go ahead. No, I just did the math because you said in 1999 you were 22 and I was two. Maybe not even two at that point, depending on the month. Yeah, yeah, there it is, Kelly. There it is. KOB knows when to hit it. That, by the way, is the Imperial March, right? So evil, evil, and it and that it plays just automatically in your background. Okay, good. I'm good. glad. Anyway, so I was 22 because I'm 20 years older than you. I was born in 1977. People who don't like me, which is the year, of course, um, the original Star Wars came out. So, um, I saw the prequels. They were god awful, except for the, I thought the third one was pretty good. Third prequel was pretty good. I thought the prequels, first two, were terrible. Third one was all right. Then the new trilogy came out, and I was like, all right, I'll check it out. And I went to the theater, and I watched The Force Awakens, and it was the laziest effing thing I had ever seen in my life. Did you see it, KOB? Yes, I did. Force Awakens, okay. 
You mean almost the, like the exact remake of the first Star Wars? Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. A person of questionable parentage trapped on a desert planet who believes they're just destined for something better finds a droid intended for somebody else that holds some huge secret or plan on it. They have a mentor they find who has traveled the galaxy and was great in a previous war about something 20 years ago, takes them under their wing, they watch that person die, and then they have a battle with a uh, some dark Jedi who is now trying to... Of the, by the way, of these people who are the exact same thing as the Empire for some reason. They destroyed it, yet it's back for some reason. Look just like them, sound just like them. They're all British for some reason. And which movie am I talking about? The original Star Wars or the first one in the trilogy? Which one am I, which one am I talking about? Really, both of them. <laughs> exactly. It was the exact same plot. Oh, they're both trying to destroy a Death Star. That destroys other planets. They're both trying to blow that up. It was the laziest thing I had ever seen in my life. The the they both run into Han and Chewie too as well. You know, like it it was just really funny. Like the only new element truly to the to the Force Awakens was like a rogue uh, stormtrooper. That was it. That was the only new thing that was going on there. And what's his face? Poe Dameron. And my first thought is, aren't they all clones? Yeah. Poe Damro is kind of like almost like a mixture of Han and, and Luke Skywalker. Sure, too, for that sure. Matter. Like so, they just they just kind of combined him into one. The one thing I can never yeah. figure out from these movies, and really, I'd have to have like a true Star Wars nerd explain it to me. When I go back and I watch like the original trilogy, what was it? What was the Empire doing wrong that they had a rebellion? <laughs> Seemed like everything was moving pretty orderly. <laughs> uh, a, lot of, a lot of tr- yeah, a lot of troops I'm everywhere. Like, there's uh, yeah, but it's a, like there's apparently no planet in the universe you can't get to. It seems like you know there's plenty of them that are just completely lawless. So what exactly was the Empire doing wrong that we needed to take them down? I don't I don't understand. I don't get what they were doing. It, he, the problem I have with everything since the original trilogy is because it's so nostalgic and because we love the first three so much. The one one of the one of the things I hated about the prequels is they had this stupid compulsion to tie in everything from the first three movies to the prequels. That, of course, of course, a young Anakin Skywalker, for no reason, builds his builds his family, who doesn't need one, a protocol droid. Why do you need a gigantic droid translator called C-3PO for your family that lives in a tent? I mean, that in makes, fairness. It, it's, it's absurd. See, I'll, I'll make it make sense to you. He's stuck in the desert with no TV. What else is he gonna do, Jim? He's like, you know what? Screw it. I'll build a droid. I'll, I'll I'm build one. I'm so poor, but I have yes. the ability to build a droid with my bare well, they're, hands. They're scrappers. With spare you know? parts lying around. Okay. They're scrappers. It's stupid. It's they're stupid. They tie. They tie in every stupid thing. Of course, it's uh, Boba Fett's father, who's the clone for all the clones. Like, dude, you don't have to tie in everything. It's so nostalgic that we feel this need, or not we. I didn't write any of the stupid movies. To tie in everything together, KOB. In this whole universe full of different stories, they have to go back to the same stuff all the time. And it's annoying. Well, that's why I, I liked... Of all the things that came out after the original trilogy, the sure. only ones that I really liked and thought, like, wow, this is good, are... Uh, what was it? 
Rogue Nation? Why am I blanking on the actual title? Uh, Rogue One, right? Rogue, Rogue, yeah. Star Wars. I'm trying to make sure I say it. I always screw this up. Rogue yeah. One. It's called Rogue One, right? Yeah, Rogue One, a Star Wars yes. story. That one was really good because they had to have, again, original thought and kind of create yes. another piece that goes into this. So, like, did you watch that one at all? I did, yeah. That Everybody really complained good. about it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was no really good. As I said, but they had to actually get creative. They couldn't just go, you know, take the original canon and try to like tweak it a little bit to make it the same thing. Um, that, and I actually do think you would like the Mandalorian uh, on on Disney Plus because I've that heard one, that they too. Really, oh. they really take a lot of chances and do some fun things with the ideas, like all the things that you would never see in a Star Wars film. Like one of my favorite things that I did. There's literally a scene of like with two stormtroopers just BSing with each other. Of like, oh, you know, what happened down there? Uh, apparently got mad at someone and, you know, just he killed him to make a point. They're like, I'm not going down there. You going down there? No, nah, I'm not going down there. And they like, they're like throwing cans and like trying to hit it and they're both missing. Like, ah, it must be the gun. Like the gun, the sights are off. Like that. Because like, they, <laughs> they always little, miss everything, yeah, right? They, yeah. They yeah. do all these little fun things. And it's actually really good because, again, they have to come up with completely original thought for what they're doing. And those have been the two best things I thought that have come out of all the prequels. The, I thought the original prequels that they created were awful. I'm like, even the first one, I'm like, this entire prequel series is like about a trade dispute, basically. It's a labor dispute. So I, bad. It's so like, bad. Yes. That's the it whole It brings down the galactic government, right? Yeah. Somehow that, somehow that, this entire labor dispute is really what's killing things here. Like, I couldn't do it, man. I was out, I was out on those prequels right away. I thought they killed off the best villain that they've had in the entire series, Darth Maul, in the in the very first. For one. no like, reason, yes. None, no reason whatsoever. And how screwed was uh, Luke Skywalker, as opposed to Princess Leia, who got given to a royal family? He gets given to a family on a desert. He got hosed, he, man. He got hosed, bro. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks. None I of those actually, things make any sense. To me, that should have been a larger part of the the Force Awakens is like Luke being like, "Why well, am I gonna go help them? Like, I got screwed in this whole deal. Like, we really need this to have whole a, thing a, screwed me. Yes, <laughs> we need to have a conversation about how you got the awesome life, the awesome royal life, and I got stuck on a desert. Yes, right. So that's my problem. I do really like Star Wars universe. It, it's just the it's overly nostalgic to the point where everybody everybody who writes these things feels it necessary to tie in everything, even though it doesn't make any sense. There's no, it makes no plot sense at all. And that kills me. Kel, have you seen even one minute of any Star Wars film? No. Not, not. (laughs) Like not even like you just accidentally left the TV on too long and it was just on? I don't think so. Like if anything, it (laughs) would be like it was literally on and I had no idea. It's just not something I'm into at all. But another part of it is you could not grow up in the 80s like I did and not really be ex- – I can't even think of anything in this, in this culture that, would, that was like – that was as big. Like I can't think of anything where it's like, all right, Kelly, of your generation, what are you flabbergasted that someone your age hasn't seen? Like I can't believe you haven't seen what. Would it be like not even The Matrix. You were a little kid. Like is there anything like sci-fi where you're like, how can sci-fi? you not see that? Or no, any, I, did, even, I haven't seen anything of that. Right, but like, I didn't <laughs> know who Harrison Ford was. Yeah, she did not know who Harrison Ford was at a time. Sure, but at your age, that's not that weird. That was In my weird. age, that was, that was pretty weird. That was pretty weird that she didn't have I'm not no going to lie, a lot of the listeners thought it was weird. <laughs> but all of his great and they tried movies. To me. But all of his great movies was before you were born. Everything he's done since you've been born is like, eh. Like, he's. They're not. Shut up. They're not like they're they're okay, but they're not huge. Indiana Jones is way before your time. 
The Star Wars is way before your time. The Fugitive is way before your time. You don't know any of this stuff. So it's it's I'm trying to think of anything as culturally unifying as Star Wars for your generation. Where you're like, I can't, everyone my age has seen, eh, I can't think of anything. Yeah. Me either. I, there isn't anything. Yeah. But I'm a bad person to ask because I'm fairly out of the loop on most things as well. Right. But not, I mean, everyone my generation watched all this. It's just, you were exposed to Star Wars, whether you saw the whole thing or not. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.